personal health, as well as the health of our employees, customers, and communities has always been important. But the COVID-19 pandemic elevated the conversation around health and safety to an even greater level. For most of us, trying to navigate through the multitude of health alerts, available data, and specific needs of ourselves, our families, our employees, and our customers can be quite daunting and overwhelming. In our new podcast series, Focus on Health, Tantatop is partnering with the Upstate Regional Health Office of the South Carolina Department of Health and Environmental Controls, also known as SCDHEC, in an attempt to help us all overcome the feeling of being overwhelmed and better understand the data, available resources, and key elements of public health in the upstate and all of South Carolina. My name is Dean Hebel, and I'm the Executive Director of Ten at the Top. During each podcast episode, I will be joined by subject experts from SCDHEC as we dive into a variety of topics related to individual and community health. In today's podcast, we are joined by Dr. Linda Bell, a DHEC state epidemiologist, and Patrick Brown, DHEC upstate region outbreak response manager. And Linda and Patrick, welcome to Focus on Health. Thank you, Dean. Appreciate you having us. Yeah, thank you, Dean. We're excited to be here. Well, thank you both. And before we jump into some of the you know specific uh, uh, infectious diseases and things that you guys work on, I wonder, uh, Dr. Bell, if you could start by maybe sharing you know a little of an overview of what as is the role and what do you do as the uh, state epidemiologist uh, through uh, SCDHEC? Well, uh, thank you so much. I'd be glad to, to explain a little bit about that. My, my title is um, South Carolina State Epidemiologist. I'm also the director of DHEC's Bureau of Communicable Disease Prevention and Control. But as the state epidemiologist, there is a, a state epidemiologist in each state, uh, one, and we serve as the liaison between the state and the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. But epidemiology is sort of the basic science of public health. It is how we understand how diseases or adverse health events affect populations of people. So by, by background, I am, I am a physician, I'm an internist, but I do population-based medicine. So we look at where diseases occur, who they affect, um, whether they are, occur in uh, differences uh, geographically or seasonally, and that understanding, we collect surveillance data about disease events, helps us understand who is impacted, where and why, and that helps us frame successful interventions to prevent disease occurrences in different populations who may be at different risk depending on who they are, where they live, um, and, and it, it helps us understand how diseases impact populations and how we can improve health outcomes. So, it sounds like something that I would venture to guess you've been quite busy over the last couple of years. Indeed, it was not until a couple of years ago before uh, people even knew what epidemiology was or an epidemiologist did. So it has certainly put our profession in a new prominence. I, I was going to say, it's not like it's a new profession. It's just kind of new to most of us who have, uh, you know, never prior to COVID really thought much about, you know, infectious diseases at the, 
at the level of, of uh, a pandemic, certainly. Um, and I'm sure we'll talk a little bit more about some of that. Patrick, you are the Upstate Region Outbreak Response Manager. So uh, I'm sure you then take some of what Dr. Bell you know, learns and shares at the, at the state and national level, and then um, are directly responsible for how that works at the local level, right? Talk a little bit about what you do. Yeah, thanks, Dean. Yeah, we do. We we uh, use uh, our team partners really closely with the epidemiology or epi department. We use the data that they are gathering, the investigations that they're doing, and then we are creating vaccination opportunities to um, prevent the disease in the population. So we're trying and 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 testing as well. So you mentioned COVID a minute ago. This outbreak response team. Uh, evolved out of that pandemic, we saw the need in public health to be able to respond quickly uh, to uh, outbreaks of disease. So we were heavily involved with uh, both testing and vaccination clinics uh, during that event. In fact, for the COVID event, we, we administered uh, over 82,500 vaccines just in the upstate and had 342 offsite clinics. Uh, during that time that's outside of the walls of the health department. So those those continue to grow and we continue to provide uh, vaccinations um, as well as uh, testing for, for COVID. So Dr. Bell, let me turn back to you. And, and in your role, you said that you work with uh, the national office, uh, certainly um, which uh, received a lot of prominence uh, during COVID and the other uh, states to to understand, you know, what is happening when it relates to infectious diseases and um, uh, things of that nature. Um, you know, talk a little bit about maybe what some of the current pressing issues are. Of course, COVID is still a concern everywhere, but uh, there are other things that are are happening in that world, and we we hear about some of them. And I know you all use the data quite a bit. So can you talk a little bit about kind of what is uh, really going on uh, right now as it relates to uh, infectious diseases in the upstate and in South Carolina? Well, sure. And, and uh, you're correct that we do remain very focused on COVID activity. And I, and I would like to, to discuss a few highlights about how that virus, uh, how the virus that causes COVID continues to affect us in, in, a, in a minute or so maybe. But th that pandemic is a reminder of the importance of recognizing the connectedness of, of local communities to the world community. So of course, you are very interested in uh, what's impacting you in the upstate. And we very much want communities to be aware of um, how diseases are affecting them so that they can take appropriate personal measures and community level measures. But in um, public health practice, we monitor diseases on the international level so that we can have um, you know, um, advanced notice of what might be coming our way, what might be potential threats. And, and so that the COVID pandemic um, did somewhat detract our attention from other public health priorities. And I'll use the example of another pressing issue is the, the decades long HIV pandemic. 
So um, while HIV can't be cured, but there are very effective medications to prevent infection or to treat disease so that the virus doesn't affect the immune system. And, and so when we look at our data for um, HIV, for example, we, it, the data tells us that um, African-Americans are disproportionately impacted by the HIV epidemic. And um, in fact, in the upstate, Greenville is among the 10 counties with the highest incidence and prevalence for HIV among the most disproportionately impacted community, which is African-American men, and particularly African-American men who have sex with men. So in, in your particular community, this remains a significant issue. And that understanding helps us um, design interventions to specifically target that community to, to let them know of their risk and that we can bring services to them. Um, we, we have good news though, that uh, with those effective treatments that I mentioned, the, the death rate from HIV is actually declining, but the number of people who are living with HIV is increasing. What that means is that their, their um, life expectancy is increasing because of the effectiveness of treatments. But um, we still unfortunately see a higher incidence of new cases in the upstate. And so that's something that we can continue to work on. So that's an example of an ongoing disease threat that's been with us for many, many years, but that we have um, new treatments to offer individuals to improve the quality of their life. And um, you know, there are other examples of um, other STDs is, is a real pressing problem for us here in, in South Carolina and in the Southeast. We have among the highest rates of STDs and HIV in the country and uh, unfortunately, in fact, in the world. For example, our syphilis rates um, are higher than most places in the, um, in the developed world. And uh, we're currently seeing a surge of syphilis in the upstate as well. So what what um, are are there specific you know reasons for why our region is um, you know high in some of these you know specific things or or is that uh, research that you all have to do to understand why uh, you know certain places their pockets of of different uh, diseases? Well, sure. There are a couple of points about that because when we look at um, pure case counts instead of disease rates per population. You obviously have two of the biggest population centers in the state with Greenville and Spartanburg. So part of the reason for the numbers is um, the higher population. We see similar rates in Richland County, in Charleston, but we do recognize that disease rates are also higher somewhat in the upstate. And as I explained a little bit about epidemiology, looking at how diseases impact populations. It just helps us understand where we need to go to um, do specific targeted interventions with, with for example, um, when I mentioned syphilis, that we work directly with community-based organizations that provide services for individuals who are at increased risk of exposure to um, provide education about their risk to help them reduce their risk for exposure, but when they are exposed or infected that we bring services to them through our county health department clinics and also through our partner organizations that provide treatment, testing and vaccination services. Um, so those are some examples of 
um, the importance of understanding how it affects the population so that we can bring services to the individuals. Right. So, um, you know, there are other uh, infectious diseases getting recognition and, and kind of out there. I've heard monkeypox a couple of times, I, I, but really am unfamiliar with it. I guess it's a name that the media, you know, uh, can can um, latch on to. Uh, talk a, a little bit about the monkeypox. And is that something, is that that we should be focusing and paying attention to here in South Carolina and across the United States? Yes, we... Um not from the perspective of it being a threat to everyone, but we do want everyone to be aware that this is an emerging threat. Uh, we have seen a very significant increase in cases outside of those West African countries where monkeypox um, historically has sprung up periodically. Now we're seeing uh, numerous countries with high disease rates and uh, in the United States as well, cases are increasing. And in South Carolina, we currently have uh, 80 cases as of the end of last week. What we want the general population to be aware of though, is that those who are, at, um, who are mostly impacted by this outbreak are men who have sex with men. Now, that is, this is not a sexually transmitted disease. Anybody can be infected if they have close, skin-to-skin -skin contact with someone that has the active lesions. It's just that that kind of contact usually occurs through intimate um, contact like can occur with household contacts or through sexual contact. And so at this time, we're actually targeting our prevention initiatives for men who have sex with men because that's over 95% of the cases. And so we are bringing um, testing to those individuals and we're specifically targeting the limited amount of vaccine for those who we know to be at increased risk for exposure. This is what the, the epidemiology of this disease is telling us in the United States and other countries now, that's who we need to focus on. So we want the general population to be aware that it's in our communities and what um, the true risk is for the general population is actually quite low. But we are doing interventions to protect those at highest risk with vaccination, uh, targeted vaccination campaigns. Great. Um, before we jump into talking a little bit uh, more specific about COVID, Patrick, I want to ask you uh, a little bit, and you and Dr. Bell both have alluded to kind of some of, of the, the work that you all do uh, at more of the community level, but talk a little bit about, um, you know, how uh, the local uh, the upstate office uh, deals with some of the, you know, uh, on the ground work that uh, Dr. Bell talked about in terms of getting vaccinations and uh, awareness to people about, uh, you know, the, the current uh, situations and things that they need to, to be aware of. Sure. Yeah, I'll address that. <clears throat> um, so, Dr. Bell uh, gave a, a very good explanation of what epidemiology is and how we do it as, as a state. Uh, DHEC's mission is to improve the quality of life for all South Carolinians by protecting and promoting the health of the public and the environment. So the way we do that locally in the upstate is, is we also have a local epidemiology department. Um, and in that epi uh, group, um, you, they detect the communicable diseases uh, through our surveillance systems. 
um, and then they follow up and investigate reportable conditions. Uh, so in South Carolina, we have what's called a list of reportable conditions, and each state has one of those. Uh, ours has about 90 conditions listed on that um, from everything from of clusters of illness to very specific lab results that could be contagious or infectious diseases. Uh, so each condition is investigated, and then the control and prevention measures are put into play. So if it's, uh, say, a cluster of illness in a, a long-term care facility um, or a nursing home, then, then we have uh, uh, staff who, who have uh, very extensive training on, on uh, infectious disease stop and stopping the spread there, uh, who, will, who will work with the facility uh, to uh, detect positive cases through testing, um, provide guidance and education, uh, for control, cleaning measures, and ways to prevent the spread of that disease. Um, uh, we, we also, uh, in the upstate, uh, really, in the state, we, we, have, we offer vaccination and clinics, and we promote those clinics. So we see that vaccination are, vaccinations are the best way uh, to, to protect uh, yourself and your family uh, from disease. So they work with your body's natural defenses uh, to, to lower your chance of getting that disease. Uh, it also lowers your chance of spreading the disease. So uh, it then protects those who cannot get vaccines to protect themselves. So through, say, uh, because they have a, a compromised immune system or they're too young. Um, so I'll give you an example of that. So newborn babies. Uh, can't be vaccinated for whooping cough, which is caused by a bacteria called Bordetella pertussis. So that, that condition is very, very dangerous or even deadly to newborns. Uh, so we encourage pregnant women uh, to become vaccinated to protect their babies. Um, so we want to encourage any listeners that, that uh, want to, are interested in, in getting vaccinations, certainly contact your, your healthcare provider or you can call us at our DHEC care line uh, and, and schedule that vaccination appointment. That number is 1-855-472-3432. So, go ahead. So, Pat, Patrick, um, you know, it, it sounds like, you know, there are lots of services available for folks, and we'll talk about some specific resources uh, in a minute, but I want to uh, dive in for a second into Dr. Bell uh, teased a little bit about some of the the things around COVID and you know responses and certainly one of the challenges that I'm sure you all have um, around infectious disease prevention is uh, just general health inequities and in, in our one of our previous uh, um, focus on on health sessions, we dove into uh, health inequities a little bit more. But, um, you know, we saw some of that in COVID. Um, and I think it has elevated that conversation. But, um, you know, Dr. Bell, can you talk a little bit about how you all um, dealt at the, the state level and into the local communities uh, with COVID in general, and then most especially in communities that were uh, perhaps uh, uh, disproportionately vulnerable 
uh, to COVID. Um, you know, I was very impressed here in the upstate how quickly, um, you know, the, the testing came out and then ultimately the vaccinations. I mean, I think one of the stories that, that um, you know, generations from now, uh, the books will talk about is just how amazing the health response was that in less than two years, we went from having no idea about COVID to having not only um, uh, amazing testing system, but also um, of, of the vac vaccine. So can you talk about how you and in, in your position, um, you know, her, um, you know, your role in uh, taking the, the data and the information from the national level and gain it locally, and then making sure also that our vulnerable communities uh, were a part of that and that everyone had a chance to get uh, testing and vaccines and, and everything from COVID. Well, yes, thank you. Thank you for that question and for those insights. We um, did have to mount a response to that new threat with unprecedented speed for the development of testing and vaccinations. And, and the way that, that this is done in public health, I mentioned earlier, we monitor disease occurrence internationally. And so we, uh, when, when we recognized that disease was beginning to spread outside of the area in uh, Wuhan, China, where it first sprung up and spread across the country, we were making plans in advance of that spread, anticipating that this respiratory illness would likely come to our state. Uh, and we continue to make plans like that for pandemic influenza, for other conditions, so that we, to the extent possible, are prepared in advance. But for this particular condition, there were no tests and there was no vaccination that had to be developed quickly, as you said. But we, uh, through testing, laboratory results, that's how we monitor disease occurrence. And so we were doing surveillance and we looked at cases when they began to occur in South Carolina and began to map those cases geographically. And you make some very good points about um, communities that were disproportionately impacted. As cases began to increase, we were able to not only map areas where cases were occurring, but we mapped areas where services were available. So when, uh, for example, testing through traditional clinical settings was a potentially a limiting factor, we began engaging with community-based organizations to do pop-up testing sites. So people in a position like Patrick's who work on operations and logistics coordinated staff who could perform the test, who could provide the supplies and do those in pop-up clinics per se in locations that are convenient to community members, especially to community members who have limited access to care, who live in rural areas, who don't have a physician. And so we very strategically mapped out where we would offer testing to help us identify additional cases. And furthermore, when the vaccines became available and they were in extremely limited supply, we very intentionally placed doses where, um, if I could just step back for a minute, the, the, the federal government only allowed us to place vaccinations in hospitals who had the capabilities to store them at these very low frozen temperatures. That was a, a very limited number of facilities in the state, but we had to find a way to get the vaccine out to those who needed it. And so we um, worked out complicated chains of maintaining the vaccine uh, at cold temperatures to make sure it maintained its um, 
potency, but we put it where we needed to put it. And a main thing that we recognized in the pandemic was when we looked at communities that had high social vulnerability, those were communities that were disproportionately impacted with cases where spread was occurring more quickly because of occupations where they could not protect themselves or had to use mass transportation or examples. And we put services there very deliberately, very strategically to serve the entire state. So those are just some examples of how disease surveillance translates into logistical arrangements to get services, testing, vaccination where it needs to be to protect those at highest risk. It was, uh, as I said, quite an amazing um, accomplishment uh, by the health uh, workers across the country. And I uh, applaud and, and salute all, both of you and, and all of your teams for um, you know, the work that has been done. Uh, I think it, it really um, has, as you said earlier, um, Dr. Bell, uh, your, your role and that of uh, epidemiology uh, certainly is much uh, better, uh, or uh, there is awareness of it uh, in our country uh, today that was not three years ago. And I think, um, you know, unfortunately, um, the cat's out of the bag. I think uh, you and your colleagues, people um, um, know about what you do now. And so you're not uh, uh, behind the scenes as, as much as maybe you would like to be. Um, but uh, it, it would seem to me that that is critical uh, as we move forward with both COVID-19, but also future uh, health risks, that there is an understanding by people in all um, parts of our state and country, you know, um, in all communities that, that the uh, you know, state health department is not only paying attention to these issues, but also quickly, um, moving to address them. And as we kind of wrap up, uh, I wondered, Patrick, if you could uh, share about uh, what our listeners can do and some resources that they can, you know, tap into uh, to be aware of what is happening now and where resources are available uh, for people um, to know about, you know, uh, vaccinations and testing, not just for COVID, but other things. And then, um, you know, to learn about uh, concerns about other things they hear about, like monkeypox and stuff of that nature. Sure, absolutely. So uh, the number one resource we want to direct our listeners to is uh, our website. That's scdhack.gov. We cover all of the, the health concerns that we were talking about today. And we're, we're also promoting the latest information to keep everyone informed. So as we see the need, uh, as, as diseases uh, prevail and emerge, that we see the need uh, for vaccination, for testing, for guidance on what to do. And we mentioned earlier, you know, words like uh, health is personal, is community-based. It's, it's, uh, you, we need to be able to go somewhere and find the information where the up-to-date data for the particular county or community you live in, and we have that information there. So we're monitoring the community transmission levels there as well. So our that website is phenomenal. The CDC website uh, is a great uh, resource as well, um, and I believe you will have our, our website listed uh, with, uh, with uh, the podcast. 
Well, we also want our listeners to 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 know that we we are constantly looking for opportunities to partner uh, with the communities. One uh, great thing that COVID taught us was that no one can do it by themselves. It takes a team of everyone involved, state, uh, regional, and community based. It's got to be local, and because each community has its own challenges and opportunities. So if your listeners uh, are interested in partnering with us, we would absolutely love for them to send us an email. Uh, that email address is focus at dhac.sc.gov. The focus is P-H-O-C-U-S, Preventive Health, uh, Public Health, uh, focus at dhac.sc.gov. And we look uh, forward to the opportunity uh, from, from hearing from uh, listeners and uh, partnering with those that we haven't had the opportunity to do that yet. Absolutely. And as uh, Patrick said, um, the uh, resources links are, are with this podcast and then also on the Tenant the Top podcast channel. Dr. Bell, uh, the last word as we wrap up uh, in the next year, what um, do you see as uh, the key uh, roles uh, for, for your uh, position uh, and the communication with the general public uh, as we continue with uh, the COVID pandemic, but also with other uh, things that are, um, you know, happening, as you mentioned, with, with a few of them uh, in the area of infectious disease. What do you see as, as the most important uh, thing for uh, the communities and for you uh, as, as the chief officer of that in South Carolina to be uh, focusing and paying attention to? Well, um, a huge part of, of what we do in public health is not just monitoring diseases and adverse um, health events that we can prevent, but education and prevention is a, is a huge thing that we do. And I, I do want to thank you. It is, you know, a podcast like this is a great example of what helps us educate the community and get the word out. So I, before I lose the opportunity, I want to thank you for inviting us. Um, so we continue to monitor for old threats and emerging, you know, evolving threats. And I, I did just want to mention what we see in the future, because we've when we've talked about COVID, that's a vaccine preventable disease. We talked about monkeypox, that's also can be prevented with vaccinations in a very targeted area. But vaccinations in general, as Patrick mentioned, are one of the most successful public health interventions uh, historically and have been very successful in reducing morbidity and mortality. So moving back to COVID, we, we are in a position now that we're sort of seeing a decline in cases, uh, activity, but we are moving into the fall where through the previous two years, we've seen a surge in activity. We know that we're moving back to school. Uh, and so as we move into the fall, as we move back to school, as we move more indoors, we know that the uh, threat of COVID transmission remains with us. I want to strongly encourage people to visit the websites and look at the recommendations for preventive measures based on your community COVID levels, whether or not individuals should be wearing masks when they're indoors. But the strongest recommendation is uh, as we move back to school, make sure our kids are up to date, not just with their COVID vaccinations and the community as a whole, but other vaccine preventable diseases. We're seeing with um, vaccine hesitancy, the threat of um, old conditions, some of which we nearly eliminated. For example, polio. 
The, one of the biggest concerns is that there have been two cases of polio identified in New York State. And uh, doing testing in wastewater in that area tells us that there's likely unrecognized community transmission of polio in New York State. Well, this is the importance of maintaining high vaccination coverage for all vaccine preventable diseases because the risk of importation of a novel threat, say monkeypox, not a great example because this is a very targeted uh, threat, but we never know because of international travel when a new disease may be introduced in a population. And if our vaccination coverage levels continue to fall, we will be faced again with some of these old threats, measles, tetanus, diphtheria, things that we haven't seen in decades can come back. So I, I would just end by encouraging people to maintain those good historic public health interventions vaccinations, hand hygiene, they go a long way to prevent all infectious diseases, respiratory diseases, gastrointestinal diseases, and others. So uh, I, I would leave you with that information and they can visit our website, as Patrick said, for information about all of these conditions. So I just thank you again for this opportunity. Well, great. Thank you, uh, Dr. Bell and Patrick. Thank you as well. And yes, it is time for your flu vaccine pretty soon and uh, other vaccinations as Dr. Bell uh, mentioned and uh, um, our the focus of uh, email focus phocus at dhec.sc.gov was created specifically for this podcast for folks who have questions or want to uh, learn more or create partnerships as Patrick said or uh, talk to to SCDHEC here at the local level so I encourage you to do that and I also want to thank you for joining us for this edition of Focus on Health. If you enjoyed the po podcast, be sure and like us on your podcast app and tell your friends. You can also check out the 10th to Top podcast channel for our other podcasts, including Upstate Gems, where I interview community and business leaders from across the upstate.